And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Banner 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm saying it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, man. She. Welcome to Ereteco's Potable! The Boston Celtics podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host. Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I'm joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself. That's right, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic, Jay King, and we are coming to you in the late night after a Celtics uh, open up the preseason, losing to the Philadelphia 76ers 108-99. The Celtics did not have Kemba Walker, Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice, no Romeo Langford, Jay, it was a kind of ugly game down the stretch. I'm curious to know what the hell you wrote about. I wrote a stock report. Stock up, stock down. It was... Tell me stock up. I mean, Peyton Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard stock up. I I thought the rookie played pretty well. He seemed in control. He was able to finish. He got to the paint. He ran the pick and roll pretty well, threw an alley-oop to Robert Williams, had a nice kick out to Jeff Teague. I thought Pritchard handled himself pretty well for his debut, especially considering he didn't get the benefit of Summer League, hasn't played a game since March. He was NBA ready, Jay. I know you hate the statement, but 16 points in uh, 21 minutes. He was able to create his own shot, which is something that I didn't necessarily think would translate to the next level. Is that because he's white? No, he's white. Uh, That's why everyone didn't like him before this game. But Celtics Twitter quickly came on board uh, for fast PP. He was solid. Both him and Jeff Teague. Uh, Jeff Teague has to be the next guy in your stock up column. He, He was definitely stock up. I mean, there weren't a lot of stock ups for the Celtics. It was an ugly, ugly game from them. Their starters, for the most part, played pretty badly. Um, Javante Green with a major, random start that I wasn't ready for. Major dark house candidate uh, coming in. Uh, let's talk about Javante Green. Um, 
I thought it was more not necessarily that Javante played. I like he had a cool dunk as Javante always is going to have. But Brad said before the game that they're going to kind of switch that lineup. Um, okay, yes, I do have the fast PP haircut. We are ro- live on Periscope, folks, and people can comment. And Jay has the ability to but uh, put the comments up on the screen. So yes, I do have a fast PP haircut. Funny to say that, but what was I saying? Um, Brad said something interesting about how they're going to rotate. Uh, kind of through that starter position, something I was kind of surprised by. I did not think Javante Green was going to get a starter's role. I thought that's kind of more of Grant's role, but they didn't have Tristan Thompson or Daniel Tice for this game, so it's kind of had to make an adjustment. But I think it's classic Brad to just try to, we'll try a bunch of different lineups to start the season. I love Noah Goldberg shouting out my barber, Dom. He said, guys, absolutely (laughs) bananas, but gives a solid job. Is that I, love, I love Dom, man. Dom, Dom, Dom can cut my hair any day. Is he absolutely bananas, though? Yeah, Dom is. Dom is a character. Dom is. He's a good guy, though. I like. I like Dom. All right, but like, let's get back to brass tacks here. What do you think about uh, the roster with Javante Green starting, or just the idea of kind of rotating that fifth starter uh, at least while Kemba's out to start the season? I. I mean, if they're going to rotate it, it's probably going to be Grant Williams and the other rotation, right? Like, that makes the most sense. I was – I mean, I knew the Celtics didn't have a lot of wing depth. It was kind of startling to see it, like, in person in a real game that Javante Green, who barely played last season, was the starter. And then they just kind of didn't use any – backup wings in the first half when Brad Stevens was playing his regular rotation. Like I, I consider Shemi Ojale more like a power forward type. So if you want to consider him a wing, go for it. But they like Aaron Neesmith didn't play until the second half. Is that a concerning sign? Is it bad that uh, their lottery pick did not play in the first half at all when they have zero wing depth and kind of need a guy on the wing? I don't think so. I think they believe they can get along with, Shemi Ojale and Peyton Pritchard has impressed obviously early in training camp and they think he deserves a shot. So I don't think it's alarming, especially like these guys have had an impossible situation. These rookies, it's, it's such a quick turnaround from, Oh, they, they weren't drafted to now the regular season's coming in a week. It didn't matter for fast PP. Fast PP was in the game and like, nobody's business green bean didn't do shit well actually green bean aaron neesmith knocked down it was good that he took five threes knocked down one had a couple of hustle plays a little bit lost in the defensive end but i thought it was a decent start but you're right they've had an insanely short um just training camp and anything like that and he had the foot injury to deal with too that shut down his last college season so he's had to deal with a lot i mean obviously it'd be would have been better for the Celtics if he like started and played a ton of minutes and looked awesome. But I think it's, it's fine that, that he came along slowly. And I mean, he, he, he got up five threes, which I think was an unencouraging sign. He's going to be able to get his shot off and only hit one of them. But I mean, I just like to be a shooter. Yeah. His willingness to take the three, like someone when his first three that he made, the defender went under the screen and he was willing, like step back immediately got the ball up. He's, uh, he's a sniper and he knows what he's like on the court to snipe and he was looking for bodies. And so that's about as far as I can take that metaphor, but it's a, I think that's a good sign. Um, other, 
I thought he got lost a couple times defensively. Like there was one play, I think he was guarding Seth Curry and just totally just kind of spaced out, left him wide open for three. That's the one guy in the entire gym you don't want to leave open for three. But like, he competed defensively. He had the one play where he got beat, went, went back and blocked it. I, I liked the competitiveness there, um, even though it wasn't like a certainly a clean effort defensively from him. Oh, he'll get beat off the ball, but he'll recover. So that's the that's the heart of a true champion. Any other <laughs> stock up uh, in this game? Because I can't really think of anything other than the fact that Tatum is large. Noticeably large man, making some large man plays on the inside. Did not shoot the ball particularly well, but I just thought if you're trying to pick out differences, it just looked like he was more physical and like was a little bit better just attacking the rim even for three months ago. But maybe I'm just buying into the 610 hype. Where did that 610 hype come from? Brad Stevens, from the mouth of Brad he Stevens. He said it in August, though. Like That was a comment from four months ago. And then for some reason, everybody just picked it up. Tatum is still officially listed at six foot eight, guys. He, as far he as I looks know, larger. Everyone was talking about it. Mike Gorman said Tatum looks more like a man than a boy now. And so from Mike Gorman's lips to your ears to truth, he does look bigger and is playing like a, a larger individual. Tell me I'm wrong. He, he looked stronger. <laughs> the one the one post up against Thibel, he just kind of put Thibel into the bucket and like just just big boyed him. And that, like that's that's a tough move. And if Tatum adds that to all the off the dribble three point stuff, which it seemed like every three pointer was short today, he didn't have his legs, um, which is fine. A preseason opener, like you don't have to worry about him, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, any of those guys. Um but there, there is going to be a lot of pressure on those guys for a while. While Kemba Walker's out, they really, really just don't have a lot of top-shelf playmaking depth. Like, that was their thing last year. They had they had five, like, legitimate, like, what, top – where was Marcus Smart? Like, if, if he was number five, where did he rank? Like, top 50, top 60? Like, whatever the case may be. Like, they had five guys – at that caliber and and they don't have that anymore they have they have three and then they have jeff teague and whenever walker gets back they'll they'll have a fourth so i just think for a while like it there's going to be a lot on jason tatum there's gonna be a lot on jalen brown what do you think of jalen brown's like forays into playmaking i was about to say uh their lack of depth was never more evident than when Jason Tatum was on the bench and it was time for Jalen Brown to run the offense. Not great, Bob. Uh, Jalen Brown, we can see him get into some flows and knock down some turnaround mid-rangers, but when that's kind of the primary offense, uh, just wasn't great looks. I don't remember and him just like creating a lot of good looks. It just the offense, basically as soon as Tatum went to the bench, was not good. I mean, it's really hard to read into this game as much i mean they they only played like what 20 minutes a piece each of the the jays something around there but i mean this it just wasn't good and you know that's where the Celtics are going to struggle with kemba hurt and tatum on the bench you just don't know where that offense is going to come from maybe it's someone like jeff teague is more of a facilitator teague he surprised me more as a scorer today than necessarily a guy who's like playmaking for others he knocked down threes which i didn't know remember 
Sorry, I didn't have the Jeff Teague scouting report. Didn't know that knocking down three for three well, was part of the game. Really, that's not really his game a lot of the time. He doesn't really shoot many of them. That, so was, uh, if he's going to be able to do that for the Celtics, I think that's a nice bonus. But I don't know where their, their second, like that playmaking is going to come from when Tatum's on the bench. Maybe it's Peyton Pritchard. Maybe it's Jeff Teague. Maybe it's more like trying to put the ball more in Marcus Smart's hands. But not great. Not great. But, I mean, how much can you really read into this game when – there was no Daniel Tice. There was no Tristan Thompson. They basically like we got first. We got first quarter taco. There was some first quarter taco that was electric. He had a big big time dunk too. The most electric was when he got the um, rebound or he got a turnover and tried to turn into point taco and immediately turned the ball over. That was an electric moment. But that was a preseason moment. It was definitely a preseason moment. So I think. Jalen Brown is on the uh, stock down from this game. I think also on the stock down. You're, you're going to give Jalen Brown a stock down just because of a preseason game? Like, I feel like that stock he, is steady. Like, that, that's an Amazon stock. You know, like Tatum, Tatum, Brown, and Smart are like like the Amazons. The he Googles, was like one the for Google. 11. He was one for 11. How is that? That's just neutral stock? Who cares? It's preseason. Okay, Mr. Writer, Mr. Journalist, give me your stock downs then. Just I, I had wing depth as one of them because it was just startling. <laughs> I was startled by the, the lack of wings that Celtics had. And, and Teague and Pritchard, I think they can probably make do as the second unit backcourt, but that's small. And the Celtics, like, they've – they, the last few years, they've kind of tried to lean into defensive versatility and switchability, and they're just going smaller. And like, like when Kemba's back, if if those three guys are three of their top nine players, it, it's going to be tough to play them all together. So, I, I, I was, I, I'm not going to lie. I, this is a wild overreaction, an insane overreaction. This is an overreaction podcast. This is what it's for. <laughs> To a preseason game, but I I was watching that game and thinking like, yeah, these guys are gonna have to use that trade exception at some point. Like they're gonna need another another score, another wing, well, another guy with size. Who before we get to that, time. they're gonna need to get healthy. Like they're gonna need to actually have Kemba Walker and their actual starting lineup with twenty four. Like what have you been saying for the whole preseason? Forty eight minutes. Of Tyson Tristan Thompson. Yeah. I think that's okay. Was Robert Williams on a stock down? Because this was his night to kind of prove himself with more minutes, especially going up against a guy like Joel Embiid. And those first six minutes were not good per se. Jared Weiss is writing about Robert Williams, so I left him off the stock report entirely. All right. If you had fans. I mean, it, it was a Robert Williams game. Like he had the crazy block. He had the alley-oop dunk. He he was out of position like four times. He tried a floater, which was weird. That was weird. And especially after he said this morning that he spent the offseason like learning not to dunk everything. Like, bro, just dunk everything. If you can dunk everything, just go ahead and do it. What did he shoot, 72% last year? Like, he was ridiculous. I don't think floaters should become a Robert the, Williams thing. The floater was ugly. He can knock down a, like a nice... 16 footer uh from the baseline but he didn't look great he still does like he just loves jumping so much where he just like throws in effort in times when it's just like no bro you need to be back guarding the rim i remember one possession he just did like jumping for try to block a pass at half court i think it led directly to a sixers dunk 
you just like he's still not in the right position. He's taking weird angles to try and uh, play defense. They're going to need him, I think. For, you're going to need a third big man, and so maybe he's more fit for a role where he doesn't have to go up against Joel Embiid, but it wasn't a great night. Uh, if he's not on the board for stocks still, I would not buy any – I would not invest in Robert Williams after one night's performance. Yeah, I mean, he, he was Robert Williams. It's only been two months. Like, this for the Celtics returners, it's been such a quick offseason. They probably went home – took a little rest and then just came back for training camp. Like that's, that's about all they've done. It's, it's not like they've had a super long off season to work on defensive awareness and all that stuff. Um, what do you think of Javante green and his possible fit with that starting lineup? I like him in terms of just being like a defensive guy, athlete, a guy you can like chase people around screens he knocked down a three tonight, which uh, I thought was nice to see from him at the start of the game. He needs to be able to do that consistently. Like, like if that's he's a, not even 35%, you you could make that work. If people shade him, if people take a step towards him then, and he gives just a little bit more space to guys like Jalen or Jason, I think that's a workable uh, guy until they use the trade exception at the uh, trade deadline to get some more wing depth. Uh, but I I didn't really see it coming, but I I think you would hope that Neesmith kind of steps into that role. But you can imagine with a short training camp, Brad not really trusting kind of new players, Neesmith needing time to learn the defense, where Javante's been here a couple years now, certainly has the athletic ability to defend guys, can shut down Terrence Ross, no problem. Um, but... I don't know. I I was surprised to see it, but like if he can knock down some threes, that's really all he needs to do is knock down open threes and just try on the defensive end. Yeah, and and it's like they're so athletic when Javante's on the court next to Jalen Brown, and let, let's say you know Kemba Walker comes back. Well, I guess Javante wouldn't be the starting lineup at that point, but with Jalen Brown, Tatum, and it gives them that defensive versatility. Like I said, that they've always kind of or the last few years, they've kind of hung their hats on. And I'm not sure anyone else potentially does that. Like, Grant Williams does, but he's he's but not, he's not nearly as athletic. Like, that's a totally different feel for a starting lineup than Javante Green, just a freak and a dunker. And, I, like, I think fast break-wise, that could be – it could be pretty electric if Javante does end up nabbing a starting spot. I'm kind of intrigued by the idea, even though I didn't see it coming – like we we did talk about him as a dark house candidate, but but I I definitely didn't see him potentially being a, a starter in the early season. But it kind of makes sense. And then when you look at the other wing options, it's like Romeo Langford's going to be out for at least a month, and and he hasn't shown that he's good either. Like he's he's intriguing because he's young with like defensive potential, and he used to be a scorer in college at least. Um, but he hasn't shown that he's good. And so... Okay, let's talk about Romeo Langford for a little bit here. Maybe it was yesterday we see all the news of P.J. Tucker talking at Rockets camp of being like, I want to be where I'm respected. Classic, like, get me the fuck out of town quotes coming from a guy. I, being a dumb fan, tweet out something like, uh, trade Romeo in a first-round pick for P.J. Tucker. And people were upset. People... Did not like the idea of me 
hypothetically trading away Rodeo. Whoa, really failed trading away Rodeo Romeo Langford, and I don't get it because he has shown approximately three to four moments of good basketball as a member of the Celtics. I know that he's a lottery pick. I know people don't want to give up on him, but uh, why all this Romeo hype? I just, because he's a lottery pick, because they need someone on the wing, I just don't get it. I just think the idea of Romeo is enticing. Like he's a 6'5", 6'6", wing with, who's pretty bouncy with long arms and defensive instincts and he used to score though. So I, I get the Romeo intrigue and I, I certainly won't discount him out from being a good player and even a good player this year, but I like the Celtics definitely need another wing. And if it's him, that's cool. If it's Neesmith at some point this season, that's cool. I thought it was pretty telling that Brad Stevens said, like, yeah, we're going to be better at the end of the season than we are now. <laughs> right. this, is, this is the ultimate Kaizen year. Like, they need, like, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum need to take some big incremental steps towards stardom, but the entire team is going to need to get a lot better over the course of the year because they're not starting out great. The thing that's interesting about Romeo Langford, and I think going back to the Javante Green discussion, is did we really see what this team is going to look like because Tice and Time Lord were out and basically Grant Williams had to play all of his minutes at the five or next to Shemi Ojale. Like you're talking about that versatility. They're clearly not going to be as athletic with Grant kind of playing that, I guess, four position, but you do get a kind of a more switchable lineup, a more physical lineup. And I think that's the lineup you're more likely to see as the Cel- um, if the Celtics become more successful is I don't think Grant should be playing a lot of minutes at the five this year. He's going to be like at his most value at the four, playing with kind of an athletic center like a Tice, like a, a Tristan Thompson. Yeah, I think Scal said it during the broadcast. He wants to see what type of identity this team is going to have. And last year's team, I felt like their identity was that they were malleable and and that they had like, like I said, like a bunch of guys who could do everything and they don't have that many guys like that this year. I, I think Brad, they, and Brad, like they don't have as many lineups that will be good at everything. They'll have some defensive minded lineups that could be really, really great defensively. They have some offensive lineups that could be pretty damn good offensively, but like they don't have one lineup that does both, which is kind of, I mean, they're starting a lot when Kemba Walker gets back, we'll definitely do both. Um, but you but you're right. Like like they're not as two way versatile as they were last year with Gordon Hayward. And look, like when Kemba gets back, they'll have their basically their playoff roster, but with Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson in for Brad Wanamaker and Ennis Cantor, which could be an upgrade. Maybe should be an upgrade on that. So it's it's not like they're in huge trouble or anything like that, but I think the regular season could be tougher to get through, especially if Kemba has to miss a lot of time. Like, or, really, or Tatum could just go supernova. He could go supernova and just start winning games by himself. And obviously, he didn't do that in the preseason game. But he I, is I much, think he is much larger now. I think he's going to have some huge stats at the beginning of the season. I think he is just going to go bonkers, buck wild early. I think the interesting thing is that at least in my brain, and maybe I'm just projecting here, it feels like Kemba has become underrated at this point because he's known more, at least this season, 
for being kind of an injury concern, but Kemba was scoring 30 points consistently um, in the early portion of last year. When he returns, and if he, and I think it's a big if, but if he returns to kind of the all-star level player that he was, that's a huge lift for just everything on the offense. Makes it so you can stagger Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum minutes. You just don't have this kind of lull in offensive creation. I think getting Kemba Walker back is going to be huge, but I think it's people have really forgotten, I think largely because of the knee issues, how good of a player Kemba Walker is and how easily that guy could take over games and be a dynamic scorer and be like, I think the interesting thing about this team's identity, and I think they were trying to hype it up on the NBC Sports Boston broadcast is like, they're really talking up the hierarchy. Like it's these two guys now, it's Jalen and Jason, it's their, their team, but Kemba Walker is still a damn good basketball player. Uh, and I think we're just forgetting that because of uh, all the injury concerns. And even though he wasn't great in the playoffs, he was still very good and was part of a, one of the major reasons they even got to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, yeah, through half of the Toronto series, he was awesome in the playoffs, like really, really great in the playoffs. And and that's kind of forgotten because he had a, a tough series against the Heat. Um, but like you said, like he, he can still be effective with the injury concerns. And if by whatever chance those kind of go away a little bit, like Kemba's awesome and they're going to miss Kemba. Like their offense definitely won't be the same without Kemba and without Gordon Hayward. That That is, it is not going to be as fluid. They are not going to have as many options, as many threats. Um, I think like, like they're going to have to kind of manufacture points this year a little bit more, at least while Kemba's out a little bit more than they did last season. All right, before we get to the world-famous potable six-pack, I need your take on the final six minutes of the fourth quarter where we got a Tremont Waters, Carson Edwards, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, Grant Williams lineup. Are, are Carson Edwards and Tremont Waters just done in the NBA? Do they have any chance of making it? I'm not going to write them off because they just didn't play. Where were they on the stock report? They were not on the stock report. Do you have any other people we have not mentioned on the stock report? No, I think that I think I got through all of the stock report. What about oh. Semi Ojale? People were kind of Celtics Twitter is furious with Semi Ojale. I just thought he was played Semi Ojale style game. One Shimmy, for three. Shemmy's always Shemmy, man. Like there's a like what do you expect? He's but 17 I'll tell you minutes. What, Celtics Celtics Twitter hates solid dependable guys like there was a lot of brad wanamaker slander last year for no reason like he was a he stepped up when they had injuries and became a pretty important part and everyone just kind of was mad at him because he wasn't a star like just as long as you just like respect players for knowing their role and playing within their role like there's no reason for that shemmy hate but um all right, I think that's it. Any other any other notes before we get to the potable six pack? Uh, did I have any other notes? Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. 
Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Here, here. All right. Now, there's no better place for takes and ranking the best six things than the world-famous potable six-pack. This is where Jay and I uh, rate the six best things out of any topic. But if it's a post-game pod, it's the six best things to come out of that game. Jay, I will defer to you. What is the first pick? I'm I'm deciding between Peyton Pritchard and Jeff Teague, and I'm going to go with Peyton Pritchard because he's a rookie. And because... I wasn't necessarily expecting him to do a lot, but he had like first half minutes, which was that was clearly Brad Stevens was using some sort of rotation. He played nine minutes then. I thought he was pretty good in the first half. He had a step back. He created a three for Jeff Teague. He stripped somebody. I forget who it was. Maybe Shake Milton. Um, and then I just thought he was solid. And then the second half, he hit a lot of shots, created some looks for himself, got into the paint, created plays. I just thought Pritchard was was really solid, and I think there's there's hope um, based on the way he was in the rotation and based on the way he played that he's going to contribute pretty early in the season for the Celtics. I'm all here for the fast PP hype, and for those who don't know, that was Peyton Pritchard's Twitter handle when he was in high school. I think pretty much all actually while he was in Oregon. I think he too. just switched it when he yeah. got to the NBA. Once he became an NBA player, he was no longer fast PP. But it was very fun to be on the internet and see Celtics Twitter, especially the weirder parts, embrace the fast PP name. And it's just it's fun. He's a great like he's ready to play. He's not scared. He's launching 30 fit uh 30 footers. Uh, it was great to hear. Uh, clearly, Corrales was writing a Marcus Smart story after the game because he asked both uh, Peyton Pritchard and Jeff Teague about just the impact of Marcus Smart, which brings me to my first pick in the potable six-pack. Marcus Smart taking charges in the preseason. It was awesome. It was perfectly Marcus Smart. That's like fantastic stuff. Jeff Teague was asked about it by Corrales, and he was like, that's what he does in practice. Like he, he He's physically incapable of turning it off. And so uh, I was a huge fan of that. Maybe you don't want him uh, to really get injured, but uh, you know what? He's setting an example for the kids. Fast PP learned a thing or two about hustle right there. Um, and that's what he's going to need to do to make it in the league. Um, my second pick is going to be that one play where uh, Grant Williams did a fake dribble handoff and then – that not, was spicy. It was spicy. Not something we've seen from Grant. A little bit of creating his own offense. Uh, I was I was shocked by that. Grant, I pl- I thought played a solid game. Knocked down a three. Um, was like not at all hesitant to take it. Uh, I just thought he was 
pretty solid, but was kind of in a tougher position having to play the five um, just in this smaller lineups. Yeah, that's uh, I like I like that pick. That was a good pick. Um, I'm going with Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague hadn't played since he was with the Atlanta Hawks since a kind of regrettable stint with the Atlanta Hawks. Seven of nine, four of four from deep. Yeah, and he, he was good. He was good. He had an ugly, ugly first shot. Like, kind of missed everything with a little little runner, and then then reeled it in. Started started playing well. I think he's going to be really important for the Celtics because they they just need a little more more create creativity juice with with Walker out. Like they they definitely are going to need a little little of his playmaking. Um, I but think he hasn't really, like, he only had one assist. He's not like he looked like he was creating much for other guys. He averaged more assists last year than anyone on the Celtics. That is a good stat. Well done. Touche. I, re- I retract my point. And, and not that he was playing for a great team in Minnesota. Or Are Atlanta. you sure that's not, like, per 36, per game? No, that's, yeah, that's, that's per game. He averaged more assists. More than, than, more than Kemba? That is correct. Wow. I wouldn't lie to you. Wouldn't you might. You, you absolutely would lie to me. What's your third pick? <laughs> uh what is my third pick? This is. It could be moments from the game. I think uh, Abby Chin coming back to be on the broadcast could be a possibility. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give my my pick to Abby because that was just awesome. Like I woke up to that news the other day, and just to hear that she was coming back and that they reversed a really fucking bad decision was awesome. And like, for those who don't know Abby, she's just a great person, like an awesome person to be around, super positive on top of being really good at her job. And so the thing that's crazy is they made her audition for the role after drapes left and go go fuck yourself. NBC sports. (laughs) Yeah. You're really ruining my chances. I was about to complain they didn't even let me audition for the role. But if so, if you're going to be like auditioning other people, if it's going to be open casting, you clearly have the person you're going to hire right there. At least get me in on a like get me a, a goof uh, tryout, but nothing. But it's good to see Abby, Abby back. It was just fun watching the pregame of her Forsberg and Scal arguing. Um, I think it was about the Bucks and Giannis and Drew Holiday, and then just them screaming at each other. Like that's good television. I don't know if I'm a little biased because I have like I know those people a little bit and have interacted with them, but it was just fun to hear people yelling about basketball again. I was just it hasn't been that long, but I'm glad basketball is back. It's been uh it's good. It's good to have collective experience. We're all isolated in this terrible, terrible uh hellscape we call Earth right now, but it's good to have collective experience, and I'm glad to have Abby back and glad to be back talking sports with all you guys. Um I have a couple honorable mentions before I get to my final pick. Um, Scal said during the broadcast that he is um, feels a kind of kinship with Aaron Neesmith because Aaron Neesmith grew up around chickens and Scal during quarantine um, has become a chicken guy, has a couple like good 15 chickens in his house, is getting fresh eggs regularly. I just loved hearing that anecdote. That was uh, some fantastic stuff from Scal. Man, man, that's a lot of chicken. Scal, 
Scal definitely has a lot of chickens. That is something we learned today. So. I, I was shocked to hear it. I didn't think of Scal as a chicken guy. I also like Brad in the post game talking about uh, the Sixers crowd noise. And the Sixers apparently had the You Suck chant going, which is kind of a natural Philly parlance. Uh, and he said he's he, he respected their use of it. I like their kind of, they had a, there's a bad replay that, uh, oh my God, Danny Green calling for a, a review in the first. Oh, yeah. It's preseason, bro. I, I, but I love, I love habits just don't die, man. Like, like if you're used to calling for a review, then you just do it anyway. It's, it's, it, it was like he was back in the finals with the Lakers call, calling for a review. Like that's the same thing. Marcus Smart just diving after loose balls. There are some things you just can't stop. And, some guys will just call for reviews. Another lot. thing you can't stop is you see the Celtics number 55 and you think, wow, that's Jordan Mickey out there. Or it should be. But no, I got to learn. I, I, did, not, I did not think about Jordan Mickey tonight. I'm kind of <laughs> kind of sad I didn't. Did you think about Eric Williams? I should have because that was one of my favorite players growing up. Eric Williams was a dog. I can remember Eric Williams was like the first guy. Him and like Tony Batie were the like the the go to guys when I was first getting into the Celtics. But those are all honorable mentions. Mine a third pick, and I don't know if it's true or if it's accurate. But Fat James Harden, a pick came out tonight of James Harden looking dummy thick, and the jokes were flying, and it was hilarious. I like when you look, watch the actual uh, highlights from. The Rockets game, he didn't look like it didn't really look that bad. Maybe he just got a bad camera angle, but with his current situation, with like the him basically just being like John Wall, not impressed. Like, still want to be trade. Don't care that John Wall's here. Him just being fat right now is a hilarious uh, wrinkle to that storyline. And then to follow up the fat Harden pick, did you see the clip of him? Um, it was like an offensive play. He drove, passed it out, driving kick. And I don't know who was driving, but they threw a behind-the-back pass and it just hit him square in the chest because he was absolutely not ready for it, and it was an immediate turnover. I did not see that, but <laughs> but I did see the photo. And sometimes angles will just get you, man. Sometimes angles are just tough. And and I also I kind of relate to him because like he just he just went on vacation for a week. He he skipped work. When when did God knows what went to a strip club or whatever he did? Says the guy about to go on vacation for a week. So sometimes, sometimes it can be a little, it's too easy to put on weight, you know, like, like you can, you can put on 10 pounds just by eating badly for a few straight days, just by having a couple benders at the strip club. And, and that happened to the best of us. It's a shame. (laughs) What, What did you think of your first look at the new look Sixers? I was about to ask you the same question. Uh, Seth Curry, obviously, guy who can dribble and make shots. I think that's going to be a big, um, like kind of a dynamic presence for them. Going back to JJ Redick, I just think like Curry, if he can f- figure out how to work his way around Joel Embiid screens, will be useful for them. But other than that, I don't know what else to really take away from that game. Shake Milton had a pretty good game. Don't Shake believe in awesome. Don't believe in Shake Milton as a long term thing. Oh my God! Sixers Twitter was going crazy over um, Maxi Tyrese Maxi hitting what four floaters? The just the tweets about how his floaters games is going to change the 76ers. I was just I don't know how like to really react. I thought they're well, what what would you have done if if 
if Peyton Pritchard had hit five floaters. Oh, absolutely would have gone insane, but it's overreaction season. And what so, if Eric Neesmith had hit five threes? I, I'd be anointing him rookie of the year. Uh, probably. I'm, I'm, I understand the behavior. It's just funny to see it from a non fan of that team perspective, but it's, I don't know. I don't, did, did the new look 76ers like, should they scare Celtics fans? I just, there wasn't anything that was really that special. Joel Embiid ended up with 18 points, but he I don't took know. took advantage of Robert Williams a little bit. And Robert he took Williams advantage of Taco matchup. Fall. Both guys were a bad matchup because Robert Williams is too small and Taco Fall can't guard him like beyond the foul line. But like it wasn't like the Sixers were dominant. I thought they were played much better uh, going up against like bench lineups that's and when Jalen Brown was in the game but I don't know after the first half it didn't really seem like serious basketball yeah that's because it probably wasn't very serious probably wasn't probably shouldn't read into this too much but we've already started talking about this game I have for, crazy overreactionary takes on this pod I like it to, that's what it is it's overreaction we only got two of these preseason games so we got to get all of the re- overreactions into basically a week-long span but thank you guys uh to the the few of you who are still watching right now on periscope right now right now just saying right now over and over again to the people out there listening to podcast right now, right now right now right right now. exactly uh thank you for listening and we'll join you later in the week to give you a full preview of the Celtics season coming up right here on Shout out to the people just getting in fights in our comment section right now. It's just like two dudes just fighting. It's great. Yeah, our comment section was going wild. I I, I respect it. I respect it completely. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.